It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Good Saturday morning. I'm glad you're here. It's early. It's 6 a.m. on a Saturday morning. And that's when Green and Growing starts. Here with you every week, Ashley Frasca. And you know what? We've got a special treat this morning. Normally, we do not have visitors to the studio. That is a no-no. So it's usually myself and Justin or DeMarco. But lo and behold, for some reason, at work early on a Saturday morning, traffic reporter Mark Aram and news expert, news guy, <laughs> news expert. Judd Hickenbotham. Thank you. I'm, 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 I'm traffic reporter. He's an expert. I also host a talk show Monday through Friday, 4 to 7 p.m. on this very station. What's it called? It's called uh, The Mark Aram Show okay. or Atlanta's News and Talk with Mark Aram. I have a T-shirt that says that. I exactly. should probably know. So exactly. <laughs> talk show host and traffic reporter on radio and television and news reporter at Times, Atlanta's morning news fill-in host. Judd news expert. Not expert. Thank you for not saying expert. No. <laughs> you know? So, guys, I mean, it really threw me for a loop having you here this early. What a treat. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm a little tired, but I'm doing all right. Mark's hangry. Did you know that he could be this hungry? (laughs) Mark's hangry every time. This this time of day. Hungry. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I won't keep you long. Now, you guys are due to come back, though. In about an hour and a half, we're going to have a conversation about this tomato contest that you've got going between uh, the two of you and Chris Camp and Tad Lemire from B98. So don't go too far. Okay. All right. We'll be here. And Mark will probably go out and get Chick fil A or something and come back. So what I've done this Saturday, a little bit different, um, instead of doing phone calls this half hour, I reached out to folks on the Facebook page, Green and Growing WSB on the Facebook page, solicited questions from our listeners. That way, if they're too shy to call in, they can never get through. They submitted wonderful questions to me, and we're going to answer them. Well, you're going to read them to me, guys, and uh, I'm going to try my best to answer them. How about that? Sounds great. I'm going to read my questions first. Okay. Because I'm do- hungry. Okay. Gosh. <laughs> wow. Get the hangry is, guy out of here. The news totally expert hangry. can stay late. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, so who do you have up first? Uh, first is Clay. He okay. wrote in on Sunday, and he would like suggestions for sun-loving dwarf flowering shrubs. And I'm at a loss, so I'm turning to the uh, gardening expert, which is you. All right. One of the first things we need to know is what zone Georgia is in, the plant hardiness zone. You see this beautiful map that I'm holding up to you guys? Yes. Isn't that pretty? Yeah. So Ooh. right here in the light green, what are we thinking we are? Uh, we are 5 to 10. Yeah. 7B. Yes, exactly. Yes. Whatever. <laughs> Seven, zone 7B. So when you're buying plants, you got to be familiar with the label, know what zone they're for, know how tropical hardy they are, wind, or uh, cold hardy, cold tolerant they are. So Florida is going to be, of course, a way different number, sure, right? Yeah. So 7B. So first of all, Clay looks at the label. I've pulled out some plants for Clay, though. So Pittosporum. First time I ever saw a Pittosporum and really paid attention, Jay Black's house. Wow, yeah. really? Yeah, yeah. And it's a beautiful shrub. Flowers have kind of an orange blossom scent. So that's a good option for a dwarf Now, usually, are, are these bright flowers? Because usually you're Jay's house after hours and it's dark out. White. So did you, Easy oh, to they're see. White? Okay, good. They're white. Wow. Dwarf gardenias next. That also has a good scent. You guys know what gardenias are. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I do. I love gardenias. They're beautiful. So a dwarf one could maybe get potentially two to three feet tall. So that's a good idea for clay. Uh, dwarf wygelia. 
Y'all have never heard of that. No, I, no, I haven't. Pink ones are really pretty, but again, they love full sun. That's kind of what Clay's looking for, something a smaller, more compact size. Uh, drift roses, those are really good for small gardens. Knockout roses can get kind of big, maybe mm. five feet. Drift roses are going to be good. I like it. All right, I have two more for you, Mark. Spirea. Spirea can get up to three feet tall. It flowers in the spring, and usually if you're doing everything right, it'll flower again in summertime. What's um, that called again? Spirea. That sounds like a medicine for mesotheliomia. <laughs> it <laughs> might know, be. Take it, si- it spirea. <laughs> Consult your doctor. <laughs> Medicinal purposes yeah. as well. All right, last one, dwarf crepe myrtle. Y'all know what a crepe oh, myrtle yeah. is? Oh, crepe myrtle. Those are going to bloom here pretty soon. So a dwarf one, some could stay at five feet tall. So that's not really dwarf. But if you think about an overall crepe myrtle tree, sure. those get like 20 feet high. And these are all appropriate for uh, Zone 7B. Zone 7B, right, yeah. No. Yeah, sun-loving dwarf flowering shrub is what Clay wanted. Beautiful. So, all right, and you've got another question. Yes, uh, this is from my favorite couple down in Fayetteville, Barbara and Ed. Uh, they discovered a neglected sweet potato in the kitchen, and it has sprouts and small leaves now. <laughs> they want to grow it. What can they do, if anything, Ashley, with the sweet potato? Man, that's the kind of thing you find in your pantry, and something smells not quite right. Yeah. And you've, and you've <laughs> let a tomato go or a potato go a little too long. So uh, sweet potato which uh, with a bunch of sprouts. So the UGA Cooperative Extension, they say... The ideal planting dates are that if you want to grow sweet potato from another potato uh, between April 15th and June 15th. But Barbara, I'd still give it a shot. You still have a chance. Make sure you plant it in loose, well-draining soil. And you kind of want to cut off uh, portions of the sweet potato that at least each have two, three, four eyes in them. So she's already got the sprout. She's already got the, the greenery coming from it. So just cut off each of those separate parts. Put it in the loose, well-draining soil, some organic matter mixed in. And if you're going to plant a number of pieces, 12 to 18 inches apart, because sweet potato vines, I don't know if you guys have even realized, when you see sweet potato vines, they're beautiful. The vine itself is great. Really? Yes. Mm-hmm. I, Absolutely. I, I, I didn't know anything about sweet potatoes. Like I this. know yeah. I don't like to eat them. I love them. No. But I, I, I didn't realize they were so pretty. Do y'all remember the ones that I grew last year? Do you see the pictures I showed yes. you? Purple. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. And Those were good. Them. Yes. And I put them on top of like a shepherd's pie. That yeah. was the worst thing I've ever out. seen in my life, by the way. <laughs> no. it sweet like, potato shepherd's pie, Joe. Oh, man. Not well, blessed. instead of orange, which probably looked a little more natural, it looked like purple Play-Doh. So there, was, there were people not interested in eating that at all. Um, so put the soil, Barbara, right up to the first set of leaves of each sprout. That's not going to be too deep to bury it. Uh, avoid fertilizing too much because what you don't want to do is overdo it on the nitrogen and have too much leafy stuff, too much greenery come out and not really focus in on you know everything below the soil. And you know what, guys? Sweet potatoes and potatoes in general can take 90 to 150 days to maturity. So you're going to wow. leave those in the ground for a number of months, maybe four or five months before you get potatoes. Wow. And those are also good for 7B? Yes, those okay. are great for Zone <laughs> right, 7B. Good. And a, a frost will kill the vine, and that's kind of what we're going for. If we plant it now, we're waiting 90 to 150 days. It's going to start being a little cooler in the fall. A frost will kill the vine, and that's not a bad thing because when the vine starts to wilt a little bit, that could be an indication that it's almost ready. So, all right, Judd's got a couple of great questions. Mark, I think we need to let you step I'm going to go run and get us all breakfast. Yeah. But then you're coming back for the tomato contest. Yeah, 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 of course. No, the contest is not over. No. But an update. Wait, yes, that's yes. right. You give me some sweet potato chips. You, or you got it, buddy. <laughs> All right, thank you. All right, good. All right, uh, yeah, I got one from uh, Tom from Swanee. I think there's a few Toms from Swanee out there, but uh, this one in particular <laughs> said he shared a picture of a branch that fell during a storm from a sweet gum tree, uh, and it's got a couple of holes in it, kind of bored holes into into the branch. Now it that's looks pretty interesting. Very wasn't interesting. It? Yeah, yeah. So it was. So, oh. It was on here, but it's okay. So yeah, um, like the holes looked. I mean. 
almost bit. perfectly round. Yeah, right? they did. What in the world could that be? So it's amazing that Tom hadn't noticed it when the branch was still attached yeah. to the tree. But as it fell, you see two large holes. So what are we going to do? Well, I reached out to Dr. David Coyle at Clemson University. He's been on the show, Judge. You've yeah. heard him. Yeah, yeah, Dr. Coyle's awesome. Dr. Except Coyle's he's great. a Clemson fan, but we'll, we'll go with that. <laughs> you're, you're Georgia Tech. I'm Georgia. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Clemson, right? I know what. Clemson fans are nice. Yeah, they are. Yeah. And true. they know things about sweet gum trees, too. So <laughs> they do. That's all right. Just over Lake Hartwell. Um, so what he says, it's likely a woodpecker, and I would agree, mm-hmm. a very busy woodpecker. It's taking them a lot of time to do that. They love dead branches. They nest in the holes. Yeah. So now that you see the holes, it kind of makes sense, Yeah, right? that it's does. good, safe little place. Um, two uh, woodpeckers that you need to look out for, Judd, and Tom does too, mm-hmm. but that you'll enjoy maybe with the boys seeing in the yard. The red-bellied woodpecker, which he is long-bodied, black and white, but he has like a bright orange uh, mohawk on his oh. head almost. Like, is that like the Woody Woodpecker kind of? No. Woodpe- no, no it's this not, okay. guy, Red Bellied. And I don't know why Red Bellied, that's his name, but he's got an orange <laughs> mohawk. Like that's, yeah. that should be his name. Okay. Um, and he's really loud when he's out in the trees. So he's pretty cool. We call him our construction guy at my house because he's loud. Yes. But the bright orange. It's yeah. like construction orange, right? Now, the one you're thinking of, Woody Woodpecker, Pileated Woodpecker. Pileated, yes. Yep. Smaller black and white. Bright red thing on his head, just like Woody the Woodpecker. Uh, they excavate large holes for their nests, both bo- both kinds do, so it's probably tough to tell which guy mm-hmm. did the two holes. Yeah. But nevertheless, I'm really glad the branch fell and Tom's yard didn't, didn't hurt anybody, didn't cause any damage. Right. Just always a reminder, folks, though, to look up at the health of your trees. They show you signs long before they're ready to fall, long before they're ready to lose limbs, or topple over, there are signs of decay. So you might want to get an arborist out. If there's any um, any tree whatsoever, you have questions about the tree health, uh, go to georgiaarborist.org and find an arborist in your area there to kind of check out the tree health. Always be leery of that. Look for mushrooms at the base. That's going to be indicative of decay. Maybe some uh, some health issues there. So smart, especially before the storms. Right? I was going to say, especially with like spring and summer storms, like mm-hmm. yeah, that's when you kind of figure out, you know, maybe too late that you got, you got tree problems. That's right. One comes through your bedroom and you're like, ah, oh, dang it. There it is. We meant to have that tree looked at. <laughs> All right. So you've got another good one. Yes. This is uh, Cindy's question about her hydrangeas. Now she pruned it and she learned from your show that new growth comes from dead canes. Now, needless to say, no blooms last year. Of course, the blooms that are there are uh, now look like the uh, outside edges bloom, but the middle looks dried up. What's up with that? Now, I thought this was really interesting, the fact that Cindy noticed that about the flower, about the hydrangea flower. The hydrangea, you probably know, Judd, mop mm-hmm. head, the big fluffy yes. purple or We have blue. those. We have several around our house. Yeah. Are they looking pretty good right they now? They actually are. They're and actually. those are the ones that you can change color if you mm-hmm. you know make amendments to the soil, but I like the blue. Yeah, which yeah. I thought that was so cool you can change mm-hmm. the colors. Of them. Yeah. And it takes a year, though. You can't just put the stuff in the soil right. now and expect it to change, but, it'll be, but it's like the color of your shirt. Mm-hmm. It's a very nice blue. Yes. Okay, so it was interesting, though. Cindy noticed this was a little bit different looking hydrangea for sure she said the little flowers are around the outside edge in the inside the middle kind of looks burned out so that is a lace cap hydrangea and it's supposed to look that way so that's one of the big leaf hydrangea varieties same class as the mop heads but mm-hmm. a different shape bloom and the fertile flowers are uh, the indoor like the inside thing that she thinks looks burned out it's right. the buds so those are fertile and the sterile part are the flowers that she sees around the edge. Wow. So nothing's wrong with the flower. That's just the way it looks because it's a lace cap. Can you like spray paint the middle so she it looks could. like the rest of the outside? She totally could. <laughs> like find a funky purple or something yeah, like exactly. that. Exactly. Um, so lace cap, as they are a variety of big leaf hydrangeas, they bloom on old wood. 
And so maybe, you know, she did mistakenly prune the dead canes, as she said, but that's okay. You do just lose a year of flowers um, if you cut off the dead canes where next year's flowers are going to bloom. And kind of a good reminder to everybody, when we're talking about hydrangea pruning, all of the different varieties, macrophylla, big leaf, that's the ones we're talking about. They bloom on old wood. And oak leaf hydrangeas, you've seen those in your area for sure, Judd, because mm-hmm. those are really large kind of woodland hydrangeas. They have an oak-shaped leaf almost, and they grow in the shade. So those also grow on old wood. So that's a reminder for folks. As long as you see a big leaf that looks like an oak leaf, then you got an oak leaf hydrangea. Very good. Aptly named, yeah. Uh, Panicle. Panicle's one of my favorites. i got two in my yard, and they are like cone-shaped, like grape bunch-shaped almost. Panicle hydrangeas. I think limelight is a really common one. It goes from white to green to pink almost. That blooms on new growth. So you cut it back every single year, and it's always going to sprout new growth, and it's always going to flower on new growth. So no pruning scares with that type. I had no idea there's so many hydrangeas. Are you going to go home and tell Jessica all of this I, or what? I think I might. We only have one kind of hydrangea at our house. I'm like, hey, what's up? We need we Mop head. Macrophylla. Ma- I know. Uh, mm-hmm. Macrophylla. Yeah. I, I can't spell it, but I can say it. Next so time you go walking down the street, impress her and the boys for sure. <laughs> well, hey, I appreciate you doing this for Not me. a problem, this of course. This first segment, you know, Mark bailed, but we're hungry, so we're going to get some food here yes. shortly. Yeah. Um, but I'll talk to you in less than an hour and a half, and we'll uh, up, get an update on your tomatoes. Yeah, we'll switch from hydrangeas to tomatoes. I can't wait. All right. Thank you, Judd. Who knew you? Who knew? You would be a guest on a garden show. I know, right? Not me. Trust me. <laughs> Having so much fun. And hey, thanks everybody for the questions. We may have time to answer some more because there are lots of good ones, but nevertheless, I will get them answered on Facebook. Again, follow me on Facebook, Green and Growing WSB. We're going to be right back. Check traffic and weather. You're listening to 95.5 WSB. Well, that was a lot of fun. I hope you learned a little something. Always fun to have guests on the show with me. So the weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing. Now you know it. It's time for this. Green, Green and growing. Ashley Frasca's top three things to do this weekend. Keeping it easy for you. Maybe it's time to add more mulch. That is number one. You got to choke out those weeds, whether the mulch just wasn't thick enough or some of it's washed away, or at least be plucking those weeds out from the summer gardens. They do nothing but seal nutrients and water from the plants that you want. Number two, berry bushes. They're doing what they do. Got a lot of berries, don't they? Have netting on hand to protect them from eager birds. And number three, you may have your hands full now with your summer garden. I get that. But start thinking ahead to what you'd like as far as fall vegetable crops. So get a jump on looking at seed catalogs and talking to nurseries about which to buy. You want to get ahead of the rush. A lot of places will run out of seed. So be thinking ahead. I know we're only at the end of June, right? Well, coming up, dropping more garden knowledge on you. And can't wait to hear from you. 404-872-0750. I'm Ashley Frasca. You know it's green and growing right here on 95.5 WSB. Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries on 95.5 WSB. I love being here with you every Saturday morning. Hey, it's Ashley Frasca. It's green and growing here until 9 o'clock for you 
on a Saturday morning and lots to do in the show. Lots of great calls as well. I hope we have time for a few of them at least, if not more. 404-872-0750. One man who has that number who gets in at this same time, same Saturday, every week he's with us. It's Walter Reeves. Walter's Wondering. Walter's Wondering. The definitive questions and answers from WSB's OG Garden Guru, Walter Reeves. And you know the phone number, my friend, because uh, you hosted this show for, I don't know, 26 years? I memorized that number pretty <laughs> tightly. 404 Yeah, I know that number. Call it in. Ask a question. Here we go. And I don't guess it's changed. Like, maybe closer to when you started the Lawn and Garden Show, we didn't have to have the area code back then. But, uh, I mean, otherwise, I it's been the we same had number. Because it was back when we didn't have to, you know, twist the little machine on the wall or anything. It was just <laughs> that. So, we had modern things. But, yeah, we always had to leave. always did the 404 area code number. Twist. Back the, back the early days. Twist the machine on the wall. If you don't know what we're talking about, then... Uh... <laughs> Then you're really young. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, well, I'm glad you're here. We've made it through the end of June. And um, I guess the, I don't know, the summer equinox was a day or two ago, like the longest day yeah. of the year. Yeah, yeah. And that's the... It's shortened up a little bit. Less less sunshine each day. A little bit less every day till we get down to December and the short day comes in December. Right. So isn't that where the equinox is literally equal parts, like 12 hours of sunlight and then 12 hours of yeah. darkness, is it? It's neat. I mean, it's even you and I can wonder about it. But think about primitive people who really didn't know a lot about how the world or the solar system worked. But they noticed that things got shorter, longer. Uh, you know, they had celebrations and festivals and stuff like that to mark the seasons as they turned. Well, and think about how much they were able to, to guide themselves by stars and constellations, the way the sky looked, but also with the sun, casting shadows yeah. and things like that, knowing what time of day it was. Yeah, you're all right. We rely on Kurt Mellis to keep us updated on the weather and the sun and the moon and stars and things like that. Back then, they just had the elders who would tell the stories about how, you know, when that star is right over the big mountain over there, that's when you need to watch out for the storms. That's a real dangerous time. Right. And how does a... um. How does a sundial work? Like, I have one in one of my garden beds, but honestly, uh, it's not pointed the right direction. The little piece on the top keeps yeah. falling down. But what, what direction do I need to face a, have a sundial pointed for it to work right? Oh, actually, I used to know that. You point it, there's a, there should be a mark on it. There's a name for that mark, even. If you point towards the sun on a certain day, and that calibrates it for the year. But I've wow. forgotten how to do that. Okay. Yeah, I don't know either. But it's awfully pretty. Yeah, you're right. That's what it's mostly for decoration. They're not very accurate. They're accurate within, you know, three or four hours. So that's not very accurate. No, no. Yeah, we need to be a little more precise than that. I think my boss wouldn't like <laughs> if I went to, came to work according to that. But I come to work when it's dark, so I guess it wouldn't I matter. Know, you come to work when it's dark, so you would know when to get to work. Well, I hope you had a great Father's Day last weekend. I and, and I think, come to think of it, that was the day of the summer equinox. It was back on the 20th on Sunday. So here we are. We're kind of already on the downward slide of, uh, yeah. of 2021 and moving towards yeah, the middle to end of summer. Uh, lots to be doing out in the landscape, too. But I wanted to kind of remind people, take this opportunity, you know, they're, they're pretty set in their summer vegetable garden beds and always thinking ahead to what we want to do in the fall and what kind of cool season crops we want to do. But something you can be doing year-round, Walter, and I want to learn a little bit more about it from you, composting. And why sure. that might be so beneficial to people with gardens. Because 
some places you're just letting things decompose, weeds and, and leaves and grass clippings and things like that. If they decompose, that's great. But the thing that I don't guess we think about enough is that the compost that results from natural back, backyard uh, processes is alive. I mean, there are really lots and lots of beneficial bacteria and fungi in the compost that you make in your backyard in the bin. And if you put that into the soil, that live stuff, it's not harmful to your plants, the live stuff in the soil makes a plant grow easier in that soil. That's why we do composting. See, I love that. And really, like me, I mean, I, I, I love recycling things. I would try to recycle everything, yeah. paper, glass, plastic, all that kind of thing. But this is also it makes you feel really resourceful when you have table scraps, when you have food, when you yeah. have maybe uh, plain cardboard or you know, white paper or something that uh, rather yeah. than recycling or throwing out or whatever, you're repurposing those things. And all of that can come together to provide something that's full of nutrients and all of that for your garden. And also, if you mix in compost, Walter, I think you're probably going to spend a little less on soil because that compost is going to take up some of the volume, some of the space. That's exactly correct. And one of the things that's really interesting, I have some teenage workers who help me in the garden, and we put in a lot of uh, clippings and stuff with a pruning a couple, three weeks ago into a compost bin that I have. And I went and looked at it. I think it was less during the week this past week. And they said, why is the compost so much lower? Why is it so far, far down in this bin you have with cerise? I said, because that's what happens as things decompose. They weaken the cell walls and they compress. And there's less and less volume. Even though it's less volume than you originally put in, the leaves and the grasses and things like that, it's still, like you say, people you have to go to the store and buy anymore. So you got the which you already made, you have for yourself uh, in your compost bin. And you have some things that are alive in your compost yeah. ingredients, and you have some things that aren't. So let's kind of break down the difference. This is really easy. I want to, I want to make it on a very general scale for people yeah. so they don't think they have to go buy a composting bin and have all this space and, you know, pitchfork to turn it and all that kind of stuff. I just want them to think stuff around the house that they can use to start just a little compost bin. But like you said, it's going to, if you start a little, I don't know, maybe one or two gallon. Tupperware with table scraps, ultimately you're going to need a little more than that, and that's going to whittle away to nothing as far as the amount of compost you'll end up with. But mm-hmm. talking about what, what's green and what's brown and how we know what to use. Yeah, I think composting can be summarized in six words. Okay. Pile it up, it will rot. Oh. <laughs> so if you pile <laughs> anything up, it's going to rot. Now, all this green and brown stuff is... It's complicated. Some people can become master composters and study how much brown material, like you know, leaves and trees, it should be added to how much green material or clippings from your lawn. And if you get a certain ratio that composts most rapidly, it heats up more rapidly. And, uh, they believe that makes a better quality compost. But my six words still are true. Pile it up, it will rot. And if it rots, it will make compost. You take the compost and add to your soil and it'll make your plants grow better. So, yeah, go ahead, and uh, I'm sure some fathers got a compost uh, bin or tumbler or something like that for Father's Day, but you can make one. You don't even have to make anything. Just pile the leaves up on the back corner of your fence in the backyard, and as long as you pile it up, they will rot, and when the pile is shrunk down to smaller smaller size and it's sort of brown and you can't tell any leaves or twigs are still part of it, that's finished compost. That's what you dig into your, into your flower bed. So dead leaves, grass clipping, that has all that nitrogen in it. Um, mm-hmm. Like I was mentioning, if you're if you're going to incorporate dead things, limbs, twigs, things that are yeah, no longer, 
you know, living cardboard, obviously. Nothing with the waxy coating on it, but just plain brown cardboard maybe that you get from Chewy. <laughs> you have your pet food delivered in that huge cardboard box. Start piecing that apart and breaking that down. Um, and does it have to be, I, I have a compost bin that I'm really excited to kind of detail uh, a little bit later in the weeks coming with the listeners, but I've got a bin, it's outside, it's it's upright, um, and it is one that I don't have to turn, but is it is it important to mix things oh, okay. every now and then? Hey, yes and no. No, it's a little bit about six words, it's piled up, it'll rot, okay. but also it'll make things go faster if you turn it, if you have a shovel or a or whatever you got to turn the flat pile over because the oxygen that gets into the middle of the pile is uh, useful for the fungi and the bacteria to break down the components of the pile. So turning it every once in a while will get more oxygen in so the bacteria and the fungi can do their job. And honestly, this is kind of the situation where when all of that bacteria and things are working together to really break something down, that's when you get that steaming effect, and that's so yeah. crazy that it generates that much heat on its own. Yeah, it'll get hot, that thing. That's one way weed seeds and bad fungi, the diseased fungi, get killed is when your pile heats up. And uh, you're right, steam coming out of a compost pile on a cool fall day is really neat to see. Wow. So how do we know when the compost is ready, like when all the leaves and grass clippings are broken down to just the right look and the right texture that we want that it's going to be beneficial in our raised beds? Well, you can't much tell what was in there originally. Oh. You can't tell if that was a, a magnolia leaf or a banana peel or, or grass clippings from your from your lawn. If you just can't tell that's what it used to be, it's all brown and granular and you put your hands and hold it and you can't tell what it used to be, then it's ready to go. It's finished. And it's got some good moisture, so it's not crumbling, it's not piecing mm-hmm. apart. But it's fascinating, Walter, because the kitchen table scraps that I'm talking about that I keep in a larger Tupperware container, it's got to have a lid. Um, coffee grounds, eggshells, I throw all kinds yeah. of things in there. That will smell to high heaven, you know, if you're building that all together for maybe a week or longer. So you got to keep taking it out and dumping it. But it's amazing when you actually have the finished product, this finished compost, it doesn't smell at all. It actually smells no. pretty good. It's almost like an earthy smell. And that's the reason for another reason for turning it over, putting oxygen in. The more oxygen is in the pile, the less it will smell, the less the anaerobic bacteria will, will make a smell. So that's one good reason to turn things too. Okay. So in thinking about, well, yeah, for our summer vegetable gardens, maybe it's a little too late to really use any compost that we have now. Cause if you're going to mix it in the soil, you're going to disturb the roots of the plants. But so thinking ahead to maybe our fall gardens and our cool season gardens, how deeply do we need to mix a layer of compost in that soil? Uh, six inches is fine. Wherever the roots of the plants are growing, that'd be fine. So six, eight inches, maybe would be good. Oh, you just asked fathers about fathers day. Yeah. If you got fathers, if you got a, countertop composting machine. I have Ooh. seen these. I've never, I've seen an ads for it myself, but I've never seen them actually working. But I would love for somebody to take pictures of their countertop composting machine that heats your kitchen scraps and everything up, 
grinds up and left with compost in a smell-free environment on your kitchen counter, I would love to get some pictures of that. So if you've got one of those for Father's Day or some other holiday, I would love to get some pictures of that. So there you go, folks. I like that. Walter wanting to see that firsthand, like a countertop composter, grinder kind of thing. Um, Go to the Green and Growing WSB, Green and Growing WSB Facebook page. Just search that on Facebook and maybe pass that along to me or when you go to WalterReeves.com. Is it still... People can still send yep. you stuff. I think they go to... You bet. WalterReeves.com. Georgia Gardner at Yahoo.com will give me an email, but WalterReeves.com. That's my website. Yeah, and people can share those pictures with you. That's awesome. And what a good I mean, what a good gift idea because it's really, you know, taking some of the guesswork and the hassle out of uh-huh. buying, you know, the, the garden soil and, well, is this going to be enough? Do I need worm castings? Do I need mushroom compost? Do I need something to add to it? You're making your own. You're saving the money. And I mean, really, you're you're repurposing a lot of things. You don't have to have a Tupperware tub with a lid on it. You have in your kitchen. You just have this thing that does it all. Well, I mean, John immediately was like, "I want no part of that. I'm not touching that. I'm not <laughs> opening that. Like that is all you." And so, like, he'll start to throw a scrap of an onion away or something, and I'm like, "No, no, no! I need it. I, I've become one of those people." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Don't waste it. No, oh my god! But trust me, my house is clean. It smells, it smells nice. I, I'm smart about it, but I'm still learning. So I can't wait to see if I have compost ready. My timing should be about, I don't know, August or September that I that I have mine. That I began with a bunch of grass clippings, a lot of shredded yeah. leaves, all that kind of thing. So we will see. One of our friends, Becky Griffin from the University of Georgia, I talked to her last week, and so maybe. Next week, the beginning of July, I want to talk uh-huh. to you about some of the things Becky and I discussed and pollinators and some stinging yeah. insects. How about that? Oh, good. We're talking about why I love wasps and hornets and yellow jackets, why I love them. We'll talk about that. All right. Well, so good to have you along. Thank you so much. Now, get back to sleep. Have a good, relaxing weekend. Great pleasure talking to you. See you soon, Ash. All right. You're listening to Green and Growing on WSB. The weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing. I didn't leave us a lot of time to do this. Green and Growing! Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Here's your garden to-do list this week. Want to make sure I get this information to you in a timely fashion. Number one, it's not too early to start thinking about fall vegetable gardens that you're considering growing from seed. So start perusing those seed catalogs or talking to your nurseries for varieties that you are thinking about producing. Get ahead of the crowd. Number two, berry bushes. They're doing what they do, burying. Have netting on hand to protect them from eager birds. And number three, it's time to add more mulch, maybe, if some of it's washed away or you didn't put it on thick enough the first time, to choke out weeds or at least be picking them out from summer gardens. All that weeds do, they steal nutrients and water from your desired plants, the things you want around. I'm really thankful for you that you're here. Continue the conversation with me on Facebook. Just search Green and Growing WSB. I'm Ashley Frasca, and you're listening to WSB. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger 
for the ones who get it done.